Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I hope everybody is doing awesome today. It's uh, July 31st. I just found that out today. That means tomorrow is August 1st. Man, this year has flown by. This year has flown by. So much has happened. It's been an excellent year. It really has. Uh, obviously, I'm biased. I got married this year. Um, uh, the Lord has just done so much this year in my life. I just, the awesome part about God is <laughs> you think there's no way that you could get closer to him. You think there's no way you could get closer to him. But man, man, it's just, he, he always outdoes himself is really what it is. He reveals himself more, and it's really dependent on us. As he will, he will get as close to us as we allow him to get. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. This is uh, the pen of a ready writer. I have been getting a lot of good responses about this podcast. Man, I think the very first one's almost at a hundred listens, and uh, that's insane to me literally insane that a hundred people or at least multiple people multiple times will listen to a podcast that much about Jesus nothing warms my heart more I have people that are continual listeners I have people that call me friends that call me and they let me know they like it I have people that kind of go in and out and listen to it and I'm just you know I'm thankful that anybody would listen the Lord just laid it on my heart to strongly do this, and it's just, it warms my heart that at the very least one person is getting something out of this and growing in their relationship with the Lord. Uh, and before I before I teach today, I'm going to uh, tell you about this story that actually just happened about 30 minutes ago. So I went out to uh, go get some uh, tropical smoothie right here by our house, that Bahama Mama. Ooh, it's good, man. And uh, back Actually, I got to back up before then. Uh, we had a wedding reception in Wisconsin this past weekend, and uh, Kylie's maid of honor, she got us this thing. And what it is, it's a, it's a little white box, and it says Polaroid on it. And I'd never known this was a thing until then, until now. What it is, is you connect your phone, Bluetooth, to this box, and you can pick any photo, take any photo, and you can print it on the spot right there tell me that's not crazy so obviously everything in my life i'm like all right how can i use this for jesus and the holy ghost gave me the best idea i'm driving home from tropical smoothie and i see jamba juice funny enough on my right and i'm like i'm gonna pull in there and i pulled in there went inside and i, I went up to the two employees and no one was in there and i was like hey this is weird i was like can i take a picture of one of you, if not both of you, and this chick was like, yeah, sure, you can take a picture of me. So I took a picture of this girl, and then I printed it out right in front of her, and I gave it to her, and I said, hey, I just felt like the Lord kind of wanted me to come in here and take a picture of somebody, and he just wants you to know that he keeps a picture like that in his wallet and that he's always thinking about you. And then I handed her another little card that I printed off with this thing, and it was just Song of Solomon 4-7 that said, you are altogether lovely. You're beautiful and perfect. And then it says, and it said, Jesus loves you. And I just gave it to her and I walked out. Super baller. I'm going to be using this thing so much. 
I'm going to be using it to witness to people. It's going to be fun, creative. I just love the Holy Ghost. He, he has such fun, creative ideas to let people know that Jesus loves them and that he's thinking about them. That's what it says in Psalms 139. It says, it's David talking. He says, oh, your thoughts are continually towards me. Your thoughts towards me are more than the grains of the sand of the sea. Think about that for one moment. Think about that. All the grains of the of sand in the in the world, just the planet Earth. Think about they're, they're, it's innumerable. It's impossible to count those. There's trillions upon trillions of those, and it says he has more thoughts about you, good thoughts about you, than all of those. That's just insane. Well, uh, I'm gonna be talking about something today that's just been the Lord's slowly been just um. How do I put this? Cultivating my heart to receive this revelation for a couple weeks now. My pastor, actually, Pastor Greg Reether at Healing Grace in Tulsa, incredible man of God, and just uh, so blessed to be under him and his ministry, and just what an excellent place to be. A- anyone I've brought to the church, they've they've all left their other churches to come to this church because it's like. You go inside this church and you're like, oh, this is what church is supposed to be like. It's just something I've never even been to before. But anyways, uh, he's been teaching on this about abiding in Christ. And 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 I was receiving and it, it was blessing me, but I just wasn't getting it. I didn't have that uh, you know, that just that click, that snap moment, that ah, that aha moment, the that revelation moment. I didn't have it, but um, I drove 10 hours in a car by myself uh, on Monday, and I was so pumped to do that because I was like, man, 10 hours, just me and Jesus, no distractions, just the open road. I can pray and worship and listen to sermons, and oh my gosh, it was, it was literally awesome. It was so refreshing. That's that's the crazy part, you know. People of the world are tired after they drive a car, but when you when you have Jesus with you at all times and you're ready to fellowship with Him at any moment, things are refreshing. Things are just a ten hour car ride can become refreshing to you. So I, I listened to a a couple of sermons that dealt with kind of the same concept, and then then I listened to the because we missed Sunday because we were in Wisconsin. I listened to the fourth sermon that my pastor preached on abiding, and it just clicked for me. And it's just, wow, I can't even really put into words. Uh, my heart has grasped it, but my mind is still trying to understand. But I've really been focusing on this. So I think I'm, the title of this teaching is going to be called Abiding in the Secret Place. And I'm going to kind of talk about these things. So if you have your Bible, which I hope you do, I'm going to be in John 15. And... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I said this last time, man. John 14, 15, 16, 17 are some of just the richest chapters, man. Oh, my gosh. You could spend your whole life. Me and my, my buddy Blake, who's been on this podcast before, we are continually like, gosh, man, these chapters. Who could get out of them? It doesn't really matter what I'm studying. I'm always coming back to these chapters. I, I remember, man, when I first came back to the Lord, all oh, these chapters were just so... I was like, this is this is so practical, and this information and everything Jesus is saying, because these are his last words. So how important could they be? You know what I mean? But John 15, these are scriptures everybody knows, 
but I want you to just go into this with an open heart. Don't just think, I've heard this, I know this, I kind of know what he means. No, really zoom in and get this and, and, and open your heart to receive this message. John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, or the vine dresser, New King James says. And I'm just going to read this all at once, then kind of break it down. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it or prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So much in there. So I'm going to back up here. So Jesus is using this illustration of a vine and branches, and the vine dresser, the person that takes care of it, the husbandman, the King James says, and uh, so many times Jesus uses these, these illustrations or allusions for us, and we really look past them. They're very practical, but we look past them lots of, the, lots of time. So he says, I am the true vine. The vine, so, so we have the vine and we have the branch. The branch receives the life that it needs to bear fruit from the vine. The vine is the source of the, the, the fruit-bearing uh, energy or power. The, the, the vine is what makes the branch able to bear fruit. So he says, I'm the true vine. He didn't just say, I'm the vine. He starts with, I'm the true vine. What does this mean? You know, there's plenty of places that you're going to try, humans are going to try, we're going to try to get substance from. You're going to try to make your job your vine. You know, excelling in your performance to get more money or respect of others. You're going to try to make schooling your vine. You're going to try to make your parents your vine. You're going to try to make your boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband your vine. You're going to try to make fame your vine. Wh whatever it is, you're going to try to seek seek uh, uh, substance and life from something that's not Jesus. So Jesus clarifies with us here. He says, I am the true vine. I, this is the same thing he said in John chapter 6 when he said, I am the bread of life. You, you got to eat from me. You got to partake of my body. You have to live off of me as your substance, meaning he has to be your source in this life. So this is, the, I'm kind of setting it up here. This is what Jesus is going to be addressing in this passage of scripture right here. Then he says, every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Now that word takes away in the Greek, other, almost all the other times it was translated in the New Testament, it was translated uh, lifts up. So it doesn't mean take away in the sense of, uh, uh, let me think here. 
hey, you're not doing good. Give me that. Take it away. It's 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 in the sense of take it take it away from the ground. It's gonna lift it up. So every branch in me that bears not fruit, my father says he takes away or he he lifts up. So if if you're not bearing fruit, which I'm gonna talk about in a second, what is fruit? But if you're not bearing fruit, the father comes along and he says, let me help you. And he wants to show you an area of your life where you can allow the spirit to flow more. You know, so what is, well, let's, let's read the rest of the rest of the verse. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. Uh, he does the same thing. He prunes it. He takes care of it. He, he nurtures it. He creates an environment for it to grow in. So what kind of fruit are we talking about here? Well, you're going to hear in religion and churches, their first go-to in this passage is your fruit is the work you're doing for God. Are you getting people saved? Are you getting them healed? Are you getting them into church? Are you getting filled with the Holy Ghost? How it, That determines how much you love God is how much you do those things. Now, I won't lie. When you love God, those things are a byproduct. But here's the thing. Those things are the fruit. They are not the root. The fruit that I believe Jesus is first talking about here. You know, I have a quote in the, in the back of my Bible here. It's so perfect. It says, this is uh, my pastor, Pastor Greg. He says, fruit is the expression of God's life in you. H- how are people going to know that you are... Uh, born again how are they going to know well jesus said it's because you love you love the brethren you love jesus but there but in galatians the fifth chapter in the 22nd and the 23rd verse it says the fruit of the spirit what's the fruit of the spirit it's 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 love joy peace meekness gentleness patience long suffering all these things faithfulness God the Father, now if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that when you get born again, all the love, joy, peace, faith, everything you need from God is already on the inside of you. And the rest of your Christian walk is just transmitting uh, what's in your heart to your mind, what's in your spirit to your soul. It's, a, it, it's figuring out how to let that flow, not using your intellectual foundation, not using that, letting it flow from a place of love and relationship with with God the Most High. That's what it is. Fruit is the expression of God's life in you. How, how will people know that you, you spend time with the Lord because you love people? Because, you, man, that, man, that guy, that guy I work with, he's, he's always so joyful and happy. What's different about him? Or, hey, man, that girl that I know, she is always just so peaceful, and she never gets anxious. What's up with her? Um, man, that, that, that dude, he, my best friend, or my friend, he's a, he's a faithful guy. He's always there for me. These traits are what allow non-believers and people who, who aren't in tight relationship with the Lord these traits or fruit is what allows them to see that God lives in you. So I believe the first fruit's the fruit of the Spirit, and I believe that you are the first partaker 
of your own fruit. God wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have love. And the cool part is you already have it. It's already done. He's given it to you, but he wants you to experience it. Let me put it like this. God has written you a check with a million dollars on it. He hands you the check. If there's a check in my hand with a million dollars, you know it's a, it's a fact. It's the truth that I have a million dollars. But what do I have to do to get that million dollars? I have to go to the bank and I have to cash it. So here's the thing. By God's grace, he'll give you a million dollars in this, in this scenario. But by faith, which is your part of the deal, you go and cash that check. And I'm not here to put people under bondage saying, you got to do this, it's on you. No, it's you have to first know the grace aspect of it. Because the grace is the manifested love of God in Galatians 5, 6, uh, Faith works by love. If you want your faith to work better, you you have to experience and walk in and trust in the rest and love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to get into that a little bit more later on. So, fruit is the expression of God's life in you. Now, other fruit is, yeah, you lay hands on people and they get healed. You know, you pray, you pray for people you, you speak a word. You know things by the Spirit of God that nobody else could know. That, you know, there are lots of different fruits. So he says, every branch in me that bears not fruit, my Father, he lifts it up. He, 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 he nurtures it. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. God wants you to have the best life right now. He wants you to be happy, taken care of prospering in every area of your life. He doesn't want one area of your one area of your life lacking in any way shape or form because that is not the gospel. Jesus came to deliver us 100% in this life. It's not a you're getting the first payment here and then in the sweet by and by in heaven then you won't be sick, then you won't be poor. No, 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 no. God wants you to prosper now. That is the gospel. Mm, praise the Lord. That's a part of the gospel. That he loves you so much. The gospel is Jesus loves you so much that he does not want you to live a, a below abundant life. He wants the camels to come in your life. He wants you to be have abundance emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. Um, I, did I say emotionally already? I don't know financially, musically, if you're a musician, if you're in sports, he wants you to prosper there. God wants his hand in every area of your life. He really does. Verse 3 says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. This is the picture of the gospel. How does, it says he, I was talking about earlier, the father prunes the vine so that it can bring forth more fruit. How does he do it? He'll, he'll speak to you. Song of Solomon 1-2, it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Listen to this verse over here in Ephesians. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I think it's 5-26. It says, I'm going to start in 25. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, how did Christ love the church? Verse 26, that he might sanctify it, or he might set it apart and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. What, what is this word that Jesus has spoken to you? This word is, I love you. 
This word is, hey, I'm thinking about you. This word is, you're altogether lovely in my sight. This word is, I don't condemn you in any way. I don't hold your sins against you. You're perfect in my sight. You're my child. I love you. I gave myself for you. You're so worth it in my eyes. It's Jesus washing you with the water of the word. One time the Holy Ghost gave me this illustration. You know, when you were a kid, this is more of a boy thing, I guess, but I'm sure girls still did it at some point too. You know, when you're a kid and you, you're playing out in the mud, you're disgusting, your shoes are ruined, your, na- your, your white tube socks are nasty. You, you're just, your clothes are ruined. What does your mom tell you to do? She says, go take a shower. You go take a shower, man. That shower is white and shiny and bright. And then as you're showering and that water is washing your body, all that black gunk just absolutely washes off of you. And you watch it go down the drain. And then by the time you're, you're done taking your shower, you're all clean. Little so- a parenthesis right here. You are not dirty in your spirit. God has recreated your spirit to be just like his. 1 John 4, 17, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Ephesians 1, 6, you, by his grace, you are accepted in the beloved. He's made you unblameable, unreprovable. So you're perfect in the spirit, but your mind has renewing that it has to do to understand that how God can love you, which is by the spirit. I've taught on this before. It's in those first couple of episodes uh, in the podcast. I encourage you to go back and listen to those if you haven't, in parenthesis. So that dirt washes off of you. This is how he prunes you. He says, no, you're perfect. It's, It's God's love that makes you act different. Listen to this verse here in Titus, man. It's like you would think when some people's preaching and teaching out, they would act like this verse is not even in the Bible. It's Titus 2, 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Verse 12, teaching us. What teaches us? The grace of God, the love of God, teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. When Jesus and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is ministering to you, telling you how much He loves you, it'll, it'll make you, it, you'll, something will rise up on the inside of you. It's because you feel loved. Every, every problem that we face in this life is a direct result of we don't know how much Jesus loves us. I won't get into that, but man, there's another verse here. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It's uh, 1 John, the third chapter, the first three verses. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and every man that has this hope in him, what hope? It says every man that has this hope in him, what hope? The hope that God loves us, that we are are like him. Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. When you understand how much Jesus loves you, which is the gospel, which is the gospel of grace, Paul calls it the gospel of grace, uh, twice in Acts, or twice in Galatians 1 and 
once in Acts, and then another time he calls it the Word of Grace, which is the Bible. This is this is when you understand the love of God, it'll make you want to live holy. It it will make you want to bear more fruit. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. What word? The word that he loves you. This is how he prunes you. This is how he, in your mind, in your body, your spirit's perfect, but your mind and your body still have renewing. Your, your mind has renewing to go through. How does he renew it? He tells you, hey, I love you. You're perfect. You know, and you will live a more holy life and bear more fruit focusing on the love of God accidentally than if you condemned yourself every time you messed up or thought the Lord was condemning you. you. Even if you tried to live holy on purpose, you couldn't do it because you're living under the law and condemnation. And I can't even, I love to teach on how the law strengthens sin, but I can't do that right now. Amen. Verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. You know, the scripture, I think it's in Deuteronomy, it says, it says, I'm in front of you, behind you, beside you, on top of you, below you. But you know what God couldn't be in the Old Testament? Was he couldn't be in somebody. He couldn't be inside of somebody. This says, abide in me and I in you. In the new covenant, Jesus lives on the inside of you. A picture the Holy Ghost gave for me like this of abiding in Christ is think about a baby. Think about a baby in the womb of a mother. That mother is literally all around, all around that. And there's an umbilical, umbilical cord going from the mother to the inside of the baby. This is such a picture. That baby gets its substance because it, go, it goes from the woman to the belly button of the baby, right? Because when the woman eats, the food, oh, this is so good. The food, the substance, the, the, the item, the food, the substance that the baby needs to live is transmitted from the mother down that tube into the, into the baby's, the baby's stomach so that baby can live. This is a picture of us in Christ. I know it's kind of weird, but just roll with me. It's like we are, we are a baby inside of the womb. He, he is protecting us all on the outside, all around us, but he's also on the inside of us. And that connection, you know, when a baby comes out of the mother, they snap that cord. But you can't snap that cord with Christ. He has to be your source of life. You must depend on him in the same fashion a baby must depend on its mother for food in the same fashion a branch must depend on the vine to produce fruit now i want to talk about producing fruit one more second here fruit how do i put this the branch the branch the branch does not work hard to produce fruit you're going to go to a lot of churches. You're going to hear a lot of teaching that's going to come to you and say, you need to do a work for God. Are you on fire for God enough? Come on, we need to get on fire for God. And it's all completely out of the flesh. It's all forced. It's not from a place of relationship. Which, think about a vine and a branch connecting. You don't get more intimate than that. This is talking about connection right here. This is talking about intimacy. If you want fruit in your life, 
then you must have intimacy with Jesus. It's like this. It's like this. Churches will churches are looking at the fruit. They're saying we need more fruit and they're looking where the fruit is, but they're looking in the wrong place. They need to look at where the branch connects to the vine. This verse right here in John 15 verse 7 it says, "If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you." We're focusing on I, I can ask I can ask what I will. I can ask what I want, and Jesus is going to get it for me. We're focusing on what Jesus is going to get us instead of the first part which says, "If ye abide in me." If you I'm not even going to tell you to focus on what you want. Yes, God want God wants to grant you the things that you want. He really does. But if you're focused more on what you can get from God and then 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 in abiding and having a relationship with him, then you're in the wrong business. Uh I heard a teacher say one time, I thought this was so funny. They're like, you know, God isn't just some kind of faith machine. He's not you just walk in, get what you want and walk out. He's not Jehovah Walmart. <laughs> I call it the faith slot machine. You don't just pop in a faith token and pull the lever and out pops a Ferrari. No, God wants your heart. He really does. Man, praise God. So back to producing fruit. The branch does not try to produce fruit. It does it naturally because of the connection between it and the vine. Just as we don't focus on, man, am I praying for people? Oh man, I I really don't witness enough. I'm not saying don't be conscious of it. I'm not saying that because if you're not, if you're out in public and witnessing doesn't even come to your mind, then you know something's wrong. But I'm not gonna. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. You need to focus and you need to go do it, and you need to get out of your comfort zone. What I'm telling you, because then you're gonna do it in the flesh. You're gonna do it because I said to do it. You're gonna do it because a church told you to do it. No. You need to do it because you love Jesus. It witnessing or praying for people or asking people if if the, if they know Jesus, random people, strangers, friends, family, whoever, it should only come from a place of you so deeply care and have compassion towards them. And you say, "Man, I really want them to know Jesus. I got to find out." And you want to ask them because you're you're so you're already on fire for the Lord. You're not making yourself on fire and forcing yourself. If you're an introvert and you're forcing yourself to go talk to people, just stop. Just stop. You are you are making the gospel hard for people to receive. First, I'm going to say spend time with Jesus cuz man, ooh, you're going to spend so much time with Jesus and and you're you're going to fall in love with Jesus so much that you're just going to be like, I got to, I got to tell somebody. It's going to just rise out of you. It's like Jeremiah and Jeremiah 20 verse 9. He says, his word was like a burning fire shut up in my bones. Or like Luke 24 with the two disciples walking on the road. They said, did our hearts not burn within us? As he talked with us, it should, it should be a burning desire. Man, I got to tell the world about Jesus. There's an Andre Crouch song. It's called I'm Going to Keep on Singing. And it's like, I'm going to keep on singing. I'm going to keep on marching. No, 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 no. I'm going to keep on lifting my voice and let the world know Jesus saves. I love that song because it's just out of a pure heart. It's just, 
I got to let somebody know how awesome Jesus is. Not a, oh man, the father's going to slap me in the face if I don't. And that's how people have taught this. They've taken this every branch in me that bears not fruit. He takes away. And, and, and oh man, verse, I'm just going to go ahead and go to it. Verse six, it says, if a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. Religion, religion has taken this passage of scripture and they have said, if you don't, if, if you do not abide in Christ and do work for him and get people saved, you're liable to go to hell. You're going to lose your salvation. People are scared of this passage of scripture, but that is not what this is saying. This says, if a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. What does that mean? Think about it. If a branch falls off of a tree, can, it, can any fruit come from it? No. What does that mean? It means it's, it's worthless for producing fruit. Does that mean God thinks you're worthless? Does that mean Jesus doesn't love you? No. Jesus doesn't love you based off of your performance. He'll love you if you never produce any kind of fruit or work for him or, or enjoy the, the peace and love and joy of his spirit in your own life. You know, even if you don't spread it to other people, at the very least, I say at the very most, I personally believe God cares more about your personal happiness than he does about you going and making all these other people happy. I really do. I would catch a lot of slack for that, but we won't, I won't repeat what my first words to those people are. Amen. If a man abide not in me, he is cast, cast forth as a branch and is withered. This doesn't mean God hates you. If, 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 if God loves you more because you, you produce all this fruit, then that is a law performance-based love. God loves you independent of your performance. There's nothing you can do. He loves you the exact same. But what he's saying is it's a picture. A, a, a branch that is separated from the tree can't do anything. You will never experience the life of God, the love of Jesus, the fullness of his love in your own personal life. Forget about helping other people at the moment. Just focus on yourself at the moment. You'll never experience what it's like to have relationship and peace and, and, and the love and the comfort of God in your life if you don't abide in him. Now I'm going to talk about and give specifics of what that means in a little bit here. But it's like a when you don't do that, you're just like a branch that's that's detached from a tree, from a vine. You're, you're not going to produce anything. You know what I'm saying? It's not saying you're going to go to hell. And then it says, then men gather them and cast them into the fire that they are burned. It says, God's going to send you to hell. No, that's performance. That doesn't line up with the new covenant. Jesus is the one that performed perfectly, and now we reap his benefits. Notice it says, men gather them and cast them into the fire. This doesn't say God, because look at all the people you have in here. You have the vine, you have the branch, you have the vine dresser, that's God the Father, and then you have men. If, if men aren't gonna, your, men aren't gonna receive anything from you. They're not gonna look to you for guidance about God in any way if you're just not even abiding in Christ. Amen. So I just had to clear that up because it's so roughly and horribly taught in so many denominations. Back to verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. This is what I was just talking about. If you're going to go out and you say, I'm going to volunteer 20 hours at church, 
I'm going to um, go get some of those little Jesus pamphlets and stick them in all the bathrooms. I'm going to force myself to talk to people. I'm going to pray in tongue uh, three hours a day. I'm going to read my Bible every hour, every chance that I get. I'm going to suffocate myself with doing the work of Christ. If you think that you doing that in the flesh is going to produce some fruit, you're wrong. You're, what it is is you're not trusting in Christ. You're trusting in your ability to do things. And you might say, no, Brother Brock, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing the work of Christ. No, you want to know how I know those people aren't, in the, aren't, in, aren't abiding in the love of Jesus, which is what this is all about. Abiding has to do with love. Those people aren't abiding because if they miss something, if they're not volunteering enough, if they're not reading enough, if they're not praying enough, they're condemned. They're like, man, I'm not doing enough. That's why these results aren't happening in my life. That's why um, the Lord's condemning me. The Lord ain't condemning you. Your old religious mind is condemning yourself. Amen. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine... He's saying just like that, a branch has to be connected to this vine so that the life, the, the water draw is drawn up by the vine. The vine puts it into the branch and the branch produces this fruit, man. It's, it says just like that, no more can you produce fruit except you abide in me. It is such a picture. The branch just naturally produces fruit. It doesn't try. I don't try to do things for God. They just happen. It, it just naturally flows out of me. I, I can't even help talking about God in every, almost every conversation I have. I, I, if I can't talk about God, I feel like I'm going to explode. It's so natural. When you just spend time with God, all you want to talk about is God. This is why my wife will make a perfect pastor's wife, because she's great at all the small talk, man. She's good at it. Me, I can't stand it. I just want to talk about Jesus. There's, you know, I, 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 you know, it's probably not the best trait for a pastor, but, uh, you know, we'll see how I change within the next year. <laughs> Verse 5, I'm the vine. He's emphasizing it again. If Jesus ever says something once, it's important. To say it twice is super important. I am the vine. You are the branches. He's saying, you aren't the one that makes things produced. I'm the one that brings the fruit. All you have to do is stay close to me. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He just emphasizes this point. Praise the Lord. So Jesus uses this illustration to show us our connection to him. And that's what eternal life is. Um... Possibly at the moment, my favorite podcast I've done is, I think it's episode seven is what it is. It says, what is eternal life or everlasting life? One of the two. Eternal life is just relationship with God. It's just fellowship. It's communion. And Jesus is showing this. You, you have to take hold and, and, let me see here. Take hold of the benefits of what eternal life is, which is able to have a relationship with Jesus. You, you can come to God so boldly. Let me find this verse in Hebrews real quick. I can quote it, but I just want to look at it. 
It's Hebrews 4. It's, it's, it's verse 15 and 16. It says, well, I'm going to start in 14. It says, seeing that then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavenlies, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Meaning, Jesus can sympathize with you in any situation. You know, one time, one time I, I, I was talking to the Lord, and, and I think someone else said this, but the Lord brought it up so strongly. I don't know who said this, but... The Lord brought this so strongly to my mind. As soon as I asked it, it was almost instantaneous. I said, Lord, because I think I did something and I failed or I didn't do something right. And I said, Lord, you're perfect. Like, how, how could you know what it's like to fail, Jesus? How could you know? And I, again, I think someone else, I've heard them say this before, but he just supernaturally just brought it straight up to my from my heart to my mind. And he said, he just said ever so strongly, he said, so strongly, excuse me, he said, what I didn't understand in my life, I understood in my death. And that just rocked me, man. I thought, wow. Yeah, that's right. He experienced shame and guilt and sin. Jesus became sin. Jesus became everything bad. He became an adulterer. Jesus became a homosexual. Jesus became a pedophile. He literally became sin. That's insane. So it says, we have a high priest. That can sympathize with us. And then verse 16, it says, Because of this, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Praise God. Uh, this eternal life, the benefit of it is, um, if we didn't have Jesus, if you stood before God, you would fall to your face and you, you would see your sinful self against a holy, righteous God. But now your righteousness is his righteousness. His righteousness is your righteousness. You know, one time, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but uh, it's just uh, the story's been brought back. I've never forgotten it. It's um, actually, it's Kenneth Hagin. It's a vision he had where the Lord brought him up into heaven. You know, I know I don't talk about stuff like this too much. I, I usually stay with the scriptures, but this is just kind of an interesting story. And it's biblical. So, and I, you know, I believe Kenneth Hagin when he said he went, to, he went to heaven those couple of times. He said he went to heaven and he was standing before Jesus and he, he just fell at his feet and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy. And then Jesus said, rise up. And Kenneth rose up. Rose up and then he, Jesus said he pointed his finger at Kenneth Hagin and he said, you are worthy. I've made you worthy. And that's such a picture. It doesn't matter what you feel. Jesus has made you worthy. That's what this eternal life is. That's what abiding is. Abiding is, is, is taking hold of the benefit of what Jesus has purchased for you at Calvary to be able to have fellowship with God. All right. If you got your Bible still, man, I spent a lot of more time on those scriptures than I thought I did. But as y'all can see, when you just dive into the word, it's like there's so much there that comes out, I wasn't even planning on spending that much time on any of that verses, but there was so much in there, and it just flowed out. It was awesome, man. And uh, we're keeping on the same subject, man, abiding in the secret place. Psalms 91 is where I'm at, verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
So it says, he that dwelleth. I looked up the word dwell. It means to live permanently in. It means to make your habitation. You know, remember when you were in elementary or middle school, even high school maybe, and you learned about animals? What'd you learn? You learned about their what? Their habitat. That's where they live. Those are the conditions that where they lived at. He that dwelleth. He that, this is saying, he that continually makes Jesus his place of refuge, his thought life is consumed with God. He that filters the world through the lens of the gospel of grace. He that does that, it says, uh, he that dwelt in the secret place of the Most High, he that does that, well, there's that word, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, Psalms 91 is kind of an expose per se, bars, of, of what that looks like. Verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Faith, when you have faith inside of you, you can't help but, but, but speaking these things out. How did God create the universe? He, sa- he said, let there be light. God never does anything unless he says it first. You see that all through the ministry of Jesus, and you see that all through the Old Testament. Jesus, the virgin birth, wasn't even performed until Isaiah had, it couldn't be until Isaiah had spoke it out five, six hundred years before. Isaiah 9, 6, you know, what is, or Isaiah 9, I think it is, it'll be a virgin, be a virgin birth. It says the person that's dwelling with God, will say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. You can tell if someone's in the secret place. You can tell if someone's abiding in Christ by how they talk. If you're talking to a Christian or anybody and they're gloom, doom, doubt, depression, anxiety, oh, I'm not sure, no confidence in the Lord, you can tell they're not abiding and resting in Christ. But you, you talk to someone that's like, man, God is just so good. And even people that are like, man, I'm in this situation, but God's awesome. I know he's going to take care of it. I'm not even worried about it one bit or just people that are just relaxed in the Lord, man, just chilling with Jesus. Those are the people that are in the secret place, abiding, resting, trusting, in, in fellowship with Christ. I will say of the Lord. I will speak it out. I will declare it. Faith is voice activated. Uh, I'm almost hesitant to say that sentence just because faith teachings have just gotten so extreme and and. and completely missing the point, in my opinion, but it is a biblical principle, so I can't not say it. Um, the Lord spoke this over me through somebody that was prophesying over me, and they said, You're, you are a reformer, and you are, you are going to work hard at not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I want to make grace and faith a balance in your life and help you understand the balance before the two, because I have been in the ditch of both. I've been in the ditch in faith, and I've been in the ditch in grace. Amen. Verse 3, Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. That noisome pestilence means plagues, sicknesses. What, what does a person that's in fellowship with the Lord say? Man, everybody else is getting sick, but I don't get sick. God takes care of me. Meanwhile, you got Christians where the, the, the whatever new flu comes out and they're, they're scared they're going to get it, you know? I don't personally, like, I don't take any shots, man. I don't take any medicine. Medicine, I take care of the Lord. Man, or the Lord takes care of me. Excuse me. Verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. 
Think about it like this illustration. A mama bird, a mama chick, has their wings and their feather over a child. If that child walks out of that wings, there is not much that that, that, that mother can do, sincerely. This is such a picture. Now, some people, the, the far grace people would say, brother, you're preaching works. I'm not preaching works. And the aspect of it is of, of that's not works is you don't deserve the protection of the Lord. You don't deserve his blessings. You don't deserve any of that. It's only by the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus that you can get the blessings of God. That's the grace aspect of it. But the, the truth is... And I'm, I'm not here to put anyone under bondage because if you've been deep into the faith bondage, you know what I mean. You, you start looking at yourself and your ability. But that's, that's mm, there is a right spot for that. There is a right spot to look at yourself. But do not be consumed with what you are doing wrong. Don't be consumed with it. I'm not saying there's not a place for it. But there is this very special ditch that you can get in to where you're looking out you're looking out for how you can be a be a better Christian, you know, instead of rest, resting and trusting that God sees you perfect and going back to his love. But the truth is, there is a difference. This look at the proof. There look at somebody who doesn't spend time with Jesus or isn't even born again and look at somebody that spends as much time as they can with Jesus. The blessings just flow off of that other person. It's a fact. So I hate to say it like this, but it's the truth. There are things that you can do to make yourself more susceptible to receive the blessings of the Lord. Now let me put it in proper perspective here. God has already blessed you. Ephesians 1.3. It says we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Uh, 2 Peter 1.3. Through his divine promises, we are partakers of the divine nature. Excuse me, I'm just going to go over there and read it real quick. I just wish I could have had this proper, I wish I would have had somebody uh, explain to me this proper perspective of grace and faith. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Jesus has given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But then the next line says, through. That means to get, to get, to receive, to see the life and godliness that the Bible talks about that you have, it says you get it through the knowledge of him that has called you to glory and virtue. So by grace, God's given you all things. Go back to the check example. It's so good. God has given you a million dollars. He In your spirit is a million dollar check, baby. All the love, grace, joy, peace, wisdom, knowledge, everything that God has is already on the inside of you. You got it when you ex. When you accepted Jesus, your spirit radically transformed. And then Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4 says your spirit was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Nothing can touch it. Nothing can take it away. It's perfect. It ha uh, 1 John 2.20, you have an unction, an anointing, an understanding from the Holy One, and you know all things. How do you know all things? Not in your mind, but in your spirit. But there's things that you do. You renew your mind to access the spirit. Now, I'm not saying you rely on your mental abilities. Man, it's crazy. If you guys notice, there's so many things that I say that I'm like, now listen, it's not this and it's not this. Just because I got in such a ditch, you guys. I got in such a ditch of faith. Um, I got in a, in, a, in a little bit of a ditch with grace. So I just, my whole mission and goal as a minister 
is to help you have a personal relationship with Jesus and to understand the balance between grace and faith. Grace is what God does to you. He gives you something when you don't deserve it. And by, so, so, so by grace, Jesus gives you a check for no reason. There's nothing that you could have done to earn that check, but Jesus gives you a check for a million dollars and says, this is yours. You can go spend it. What do you have to do? You have to go to the bank and cash it. It's the same concept here. By grace, it all starts with the grace and the love of Jesus. God is so good. He has given us these things freely by his grace, by his son's precious atonement and sacrifice. Jesus died the death that we deserved, but we get to live our lives just like just like we died that death, but we didn't. Jesus paid it all for us. Man. So, so that's what cashing the check is equivalent to reading the Bible. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Uh, what is that? 1 Corinthians 2.16. You have the mind of Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't have the mind of Christ in my little peanut brain. But in my spirit, this goes back to what I was just saying. But do you know if you never read, you have the mind of Christ. You would never be able to exercise that in faith. You're in a situation you need wisdom you're going into a job interview, you're doing something, you know, you, 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 get to, you get to say by faith, I have the mind of Christ. I'll be able, I, I have supernatural understanding. You know, you're a mechanic, I have the mind of Christ. I know exactly how this car is going to work. You have to say that by faith. You might not know in the natural, but your spirit knows. But if you never read that you have the mind of Christ, it would be impossible for you to access the mind of Christ freely and as much as you wanted to. You might get glimpses of it, but you wouldn't understand. That's why we're renewing our minds. And we are, this isn't some weird New Age teaching where we're exalting our minds. They're just, your mind is, is, it plays a part. It's not the biggest number one part, but it plays a part in you experiencing the life of God and abiding in Christ. Praise the Lord. So there's things that you can do to accept God's grace. And faith is, is even given by God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The, you wouldn't have faith to believe in healing if God never said you could be healed. So even the faith you get, it's by grace. That's a whole teaching in itself. But we as humans, we have free will. We still have to make a choice to accept it. We have to make a choice. He'll never force you. God will never force you to do something. So just go back to it. You can tell this is how... Uh, when I talk to people, I know if they're spending time with Jesus or not. I know instant. I, in five minutes, I can tell you if somebody is experiencing the love of Christ in their life, in their personal life, or in, and if they're not. It's, uh, it's kind of sucky sometimes, I'll say, because you just um, you know things that you're, that you're not supposed to know. You know things you're not supposed to know. Uh, you can read people that the spirit that the 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 you can tell what they've been consuming themselves with as opposed to what you're consuming yourself with. And this isn't to say, ooh, look at me. None of us should say, look at me and all the time I'm spending with the Lord. I'm just saying it's a natural byproduct. You spend time with the Lord, you're gonna run into people, um, people who might say they're spending time with the Lord, but you know if they are not. But I'm just, I, I'm not saying that so you can be judgmental. And you can just call people out and so that you can get all puffed up. I'm saying that to say that um, it shows there's proof. 
So there is an aspect of you have a role to play. I'm not here to put you into bondage. I'm not here to say, you need to, you need to spend time with Jesus so that blah, 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 blah. No, that's, we're not here to put anyone under bondage. But at the same time, there's a part that you have to pay, excuse me, a part that you have to play in accepting and receiving. It's somebody gives you a, somebody gives you a, a box for Christmas, man. Your gift is right there. It's a free gift. That's what the Bible says righteousness is. It's a free gift. Someone gives you that box. To get that gift, you still have to open it up. You didn't do anything to get the gift. It was given to you free. So I hope this has made sense. I've tried to use, I've tried to come at it from every angle. I've tried to help you guys understand and not put you under bondage and not put pressure on you in the way that religion does and just point at you and tell you what you need to do. But there is an aspect and a part that you play to receiving the blessings and the grace of God. And it's not you, I'll finish with this, it's not because you do those things that you're getting blessed. You're blessed because Jesus loves you. That's the sole purpose and point and just absolute core of everything. I got, personally, I got into this ditch, man, where I was like, and, and here's how to know, here's how to judge where you are. There's a point where I wanted something and I said, Lord, I've been praying in tongues. I've been studying my Bible. I've been witnessing. I'm, 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 uh, you know, I've been living holy. God, why aren't these things, where's the thing that I want to happen? You know what I mean? Praise God. That self-righteousness, that is looking at your ability to do something. And it's not saying, hey, Lord, thank you for blessing me just because you've already blessed me through Jesus. And you, you doing those other things I just named is just cooperating and allowing the blessings to flow. It's not the cause. It's not because you lived holy, now God's going to bless you. No, you're already blessed. That's why you live holy. It's opposite than what religion says. Amen. So going back to abiding in the secret place. So this secret place, what is it? You know, Acts 17, 28, I'm just going to mention this verse. It says, for in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. This is saying... Every thought that you have is saturated with the love of Christ. You're constantly talking to the Lord. Even when you're, uh, you know, when people are talking to me, I'm literally talking to the Lord while that person's talking. And even when I'm talking, I'm thinking, hey, Jesus, I love you. Just telling the Lord I love him. And he tells me he loves me back. And we're just in fellowship. We're in communion. Someone says something, I think, ooh, I didn't like that, Lord. That was weird. Or you just tell the Lord intimate secrets you wouldn't tell anyone else. It's a constant communication. In him, we live, we move, we have our being in Jesus. This goes right along with Galatians uh, 2.20. This verse has been ringing in my heart these past couple of days. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Paul came to an understanding, wow, I'm not living, Christ is living. My my individual self is dead. It's Christ that lives within me. He died to himself. This is what Jesus talked about so many times in all of his gospel. He mentioned it three times in almost every gospel. He said, you must die to yourself, pick up your cross. You must deny everything that is, that is above me. This is what it's talking about. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Here we go. Who loved me and gave himself for me. How did Paul live how did Paul live this life in his flesh by the faith of the Son of God? How did Paul 
let Christ live in him and not himself live in him. I know that sounds really weird and out there, but how did he do this? Because he, he dwelled on one thing, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is how Paul was able to do that. And I want to get into this now. Dwelling is, this has to do with love. I've mentioned this before. Listen to this verse in 1 John 4, 16. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Do you want to dwell in God? What does it say? It says, it says, he that dwells in love dwells in God. You want to know how to dwell and abide in Christ? It's you keep your thoughts stayed on him, constantly thinking, Jesus loves me. Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, creator of the universe, he left his throne of glory. He lived a life in the flesh, limiting himself, all his majesty wrapped up in a fleshly body. You know, Jesus, this is how I talk to myself. I'm giving you guys an example. I think about Jesus. Jesus became a baby. Jesus pooped his pants. Jesus was a snotty-nosed kid. Jesus, uh, he pooped. I don't know why I'm talking about poop so much. I'm like Paul, counting all things dung. Amen? Philippians 3.8. Jesus... Um, went through awkward hormonal stages. You know, I think about these things. And I think Jesus, he, he, he took my place. He died for me. He not only suffered physical pain, but all the emotional and mental pain, Jesus took it. That's what the crown of thorns symbolizes, at least what I see in scripture. He bore your griefs and he carried your sorrows. You have to meditate on these things. Go read Isaiah 53. See what Jesus did for you. It's a prophetic chapter. It's talking about Jesus 500 years before he was born, and it's saying what he would do. And then even, even, even past that, Jesus went down to hell for three days, and God cut himself off from Jesus for me. That's why Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? Jesus became sin. God could not look on sin. It's crazy, man. This is how you dwell in the love of God. What did Paul say? He said, the one who gave himself, he loved me and gave himself for me. I think about Romans 5, 8. God commended his love towards Brock. You put yourself in there. Forget the world for a second. You say, God commended his love towards me in that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Man, think about, I'm a son of God now. God's my father. Jesus is my shepherd. He's my best friend. This is how you dwell in love. Praise the Lord. How do you abide in the vine of Jesus? His love is the key. Abiding means you read things in the Bible, you don't understand them. You, I can tell you this much. You want to sum up my theology? It's Jesus loves me unconditionally. You're going to read stuff in the Bible. I'm still doing this. You're going to read things in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, even some things out of Jesus' own mouth that don't make sense. And it sounds like he doesn't love you unconditionally, but I'm telling you he does. There's too much prominent other scriptures that says he does. So what you do is you take the higher truth that you know is an established truth, which is Jesus loves me, doesn't matter what I do. You take that truth, and when you look at scripture and it seems like Jesus is saying something else, what you do is you don't, you don't 
trust in your intellect more than you trust in Jesus' love for you. Abiding is, is resting in the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 8. The, 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 the pressures of the Lord, excuse me, the pressures, the, ple, the presence of the Lord is just simply knowing at all times, whether you're at work, at home, with your girl or boyfriend, with your wife, with your husband, with your parents, whether you're alone, whether you're with a group of people, it's always, 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 always being conscious of Jesus loves me. That's what abiding in Christ means. It means resting. It, it means your body is sickly and you're not get, and, and, and healing hasn't occurred in your body yet. But despite, and you know it's God's will for you to heal you, but despite it not working and your intellect saying, man, he must not love me if I'm not getting healed. You, you, what it is, is you believe first and then understanding comes. I've been in a little crisscross for a while. It's I seek understanding and then I want to believe. No, you believe, you believe that Jesus is love. You believe that he loves you. And then the Holy Ghost will supernaturally open up scriptures one by one to you. Glory to God, man. This is some crazy stuff. I hope you guys are getting this. Uh, oh my gosh, it's taken me so long to figure these things out. And by the blessedness of the Lord through the scripture, through my wonderful pastor, through other teachings. Oh my gosh, man. I just feel like I'm finally stepping into what it means to have, what it means to live the Christian life, to abide in Christ, man. It's to dwell in the love of God, to always be convinced of his love towards you, no matter what you see, what you feel, what you hear, what, what, what the circumstance looks like. Abiding is always returning to the refuge of Jesus loves me. Man, hey, this scripture says this, and it looks like Jesus is saying this. It looks like Jesus is being harsh. It looks like Jesus doesn't love this person, but that's a lie. The gospel is Jesus loves you unconditional. <sighs> Praise God, man. I want to end with this scripture here. It's in Song of Solomon. Surprise, surprise. And what it is, it's in uh, chapter 2, and it's the beautiful um, shepherd king Jesus speaking to his beautiful bride, the church. And he says in verse 14, it's, it's him speaking to us right now. This is Jesus talking to you. It says, Oh, my dove, that art in the cleft of the rocks, in the secret place of the stairs. Let me see thy face. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and, and, and your face is beautiful. You realize Jesus calls you beautiful in your face. He says your face is beautiful, and he says your voice is sweet before you turn to him. He says, let me see thy countenance and let me hear thy voice. And he says, because your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. That's before you even turn to him, he says that about you. It's not because you look at Jesus, he thinks you're beautiful. He thinks you're beautiful regardless of what you do. Oh, my dove that are in the cleft of the rock. This requires a little bit of explaining. If you go back to Exodus, I believe it's 32, 33, 34, right around there, maybe even 30, 31. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai by himself, spends 40 days on the mountain with God, and God says, hey, I'm going to hide you in the, in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to pass by, and you're going to see my glory. And uh, that's what this is talking about. You 
Colossians, the third chapter and the third verse, it says, you, your life is dead, like I was talking about earlier. You are dead. Your old self, your selfish ambitions, they are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. Listen to this verse in the, in the uh, Passion Translation here. It says, For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. What's the split open rock? Well, this is a picture. You know how I've talked about on this podcast before that the Old Testament are types and shadows. They're metaphors. When, when God took Moses and he put him in this cleft of the rocks, the Bible says Jesus is the rock. Now, Jesus was beaten. Jesus was literally split open. His body was torn. His physical body was torn. And now it says we have been placed in him spiritually. You are hid in the cleft of the rocks. In the cleft of the rocks. I sounded totally Jamaican in there. It says, oh, my dove that are in the cleft of the rocks in the secret place of the stairs. The secret place of the stairs. This is talking about the secret place. This is talking about abiding. This is talking about being under the shadow of the Almighty. Being in Christ is realizing I am safe and secure in the love of Jesus. That's what this is talking about. Ooh, glory to God, man. Glory to God. So, if you remember last week, I uh, said somebody asked me a question, and I didn't get to it, but I remembered this week, praise God, wrote it in my notes. So, I have a friend from work that asks, she says, uh, I know this is really basic, but I was just thinking about how for the longest time I missed the person that abused me, and it happened with my mom too. Like, I know it's because we're imperfect, but yeah. Also, it applies to people that drink and smoke. So basically, she wants to know, why does this happen? Um, I personally, I was in an insanely toxic relationship for like five years. And this is what I think it is under a biblical perspective. I think, uh, you know, it's easy. It's easy to jump in with the negative. You know, it's, it's easier to be sick than it is to be healthy. It's easier to be sad than it is to be happy. And, and, and why does it seem that? It, it almost just seems like the, the natural tendency, a propensity to, be, to focus more on the negative than the positive. Well, like she said, yes, one, it's, it's a result of the fall because our minds and our bodies, our spirits have been recreated in Christ. And when you get in fellowship with Christ and abide in Him, like I've been talking about on this podcast, what will happen is the life, because your, your spirit is ever positive. It is never sad. It is never discouraged. And the, the life and the joy and the positivity that's in your spirit will begin to manifest in your mind and your body if you abide and rest and trust in Jesus for, for everything in your life and rest in His love. So yes, there's, the, there's the, the aspect of it that our minds and our bodies are unrenewed and, and that, but I just, I, I think it's comfortable. It's comfortable. You know why? Because uh, in a relationship, for instance, when you, when you leave somebody or they leave you and you, you know it's bad, 
You're so conscious it's bad. You, you, you don't want to go back, but just something inside you says, really, you could boil it down to fear because what are your thoughts? Your thoughts are, I don't want to be alone. What if I don't find somebody else? What if this is as good as it gets? And you think, oh, I've, I've known this person for so long. I, I, I love this person, you tell yourself. Really, it's just the devil, the enemy whispering to you, wanting to keep you in a situation. It's us yielding ourselves to that, to the fear of, hey, you know, this is it. If you don't stay with this person, you might not be as comfortable around them as you are with somebody else ever. It's fear or scared. Drugs and alcohol, the same thing, man. You're just... Really what it all, and and this is, like I said earlier in this podcast, it all results from a lack of understanding of how much Jesus loves us. Because if we, if the Lord was our source, if, if we have, if we as branches were looking to the source, the true vine of Jesus for our substitution for everything in life, our source of life and love, then we wouldn't seek for man or woman's approval. We wouldn't need the, we wouldn't need the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the, the, uh, what, what, we, we turn to those things, sorry, I was losing my train of thought a little bit, we, we turn to those things because we don't know how much Jesus loves us, because if you're content in Christ, you say, you know, I don't, we, we like the rush as humans, we like the comfortability, we want something to fill us up, we want something to stimulate us. That's what drugs offer. That's what drinking offers. That's what sex offers. That's what um, bad relationships offer. Comfortability. It's because it's because intuitively everybody knows we're missing something in the pit of your stomach, in the depths of your heart. You know you need something. You're missing something. And we think that it's all these other things, but it's not. It's Jesus. So the reason we, we, we go back to these bad things so often is because we are looking for something to just take us out of the normal, just bland drivel of our lives. That's what we want. But you know what? The high always wears off. The, the, you're always become sober. You're always left feeling sad. It's, you're never content. And it's because Jesus is truly the only thing on the face of planet Earth that will satisfy you in the way that you're looking for satisfaction in those other things. And like I said earlier, comfortability. It's, it's comfortable. It's familiar. Most humans don't like new things. Uh, familiarity breathes contentment. Amen. You see that in a lot of religious church circles. They don't want to change what they do. They don't want to change what they believe. They don't want to change the way they do service. They have a set thing that they want to do. So, man, I hope that answers the question. Uh, you guys can email me at pinofareadywriter98 at gmail.com. I'm going to say that one more time. Pin of a ready writer 98 at gmail.com. 
send me audio clips, send me videos. If you send me an audio clip, I would love to actually play it in this podcast. That would be awesome. Write me questions. Give me feedback if you don't have questions. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Um, you know, you, this is the people's podcast. Amen. But, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed this. This has been a wild ride. My beautiful wife is home now. We are about to go on an awesome date and, uh, Praise God, man. Jesus is Lord. He is good. He is nothing but love. And I just pray you guys are open to how much he loves you and just stay abiding in his love, y'all. Be blessed.